John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today, my guest is Brooke Sousa. <laughs> How are you doing today, Brooke? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> uh, so let's get started here. I wanted to um, ask you about how you got started into the sport of uh, strongman. I got started about four years ago, and uh, my coworker at the time at a gym that I was working at um, signed me up for my first strongwoman competition with three weeks to train for it. <laughs> three and I was weeks. like, I don't even know what this is, but okay, <laughs> time to put down the... 15 pound dumbbells in the group fitness classes and now I'm attempting a 70 pound dumbbell circus dumbbell press. I was like, there is no way I'm going to get this. But, you know, I was like, oh, I like the idea that I could possibly go compete at Arnold then, mm -hmm. you know, the next year. So, so how did it get, how did the competition the get? The competition went really well. I ended up, I mean, I was definitely, it was a charity one. So when people realized I had potential pulling or a, it was a truck push, and so at the end, they're like, oh, well, let's add more weight. So three people over 300 pounds decide to jump in the truck. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well, I don't care what you throw at me. I'm going to, like, just do it. And mm -hmm. it was just kind of like, all right, like, let's do go. And I won first place. And I made sure I went then through the phases of qualifying for Arnold that uh, first year. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so how did you get into um, just weight training in general up to that point? I did nothing. <laughs> I was in group fitness classes during my weight loss journey. So oh, that's okay. had all I had ever done prior <laughs> to uh, Strongman. Wow. <laughs> how long had you been doing, doing that? Uh, let's see here. I started Strongman 2014. So two years, um, 2012, I lost 115 pounds. So, and then oh, wow. I went into running, uh, 2013 because a gym owner told me I could never run. I'd pound <laughs> the ground if I ever ran. And I was like, meanwhile, that was me at like 90 pounds ago. So, you know, did a marathon that year and shut them up. You did a full marathon? Full marathon. Oh, wow. Yeah. How was that? The worst thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Six hours of running and thinking <laughs> you look better than a hippo running. That was god awful. <laughs> did you uh, did did you have any uh, feet issues? Your toenails come off or anything? No. Or? Um, actually, I was eating like a bodybuilder. I was doing four hours of group fitness a day and still running. And if I had it all over to do again, uh, if I had to do it all over again, um, I'd probably strength train to get my legs stronger. Mm -hmm. And I bet I could finish a lot faster. <laughs> but next time I would run with a yoke on my back if I did 26 miles. <laughs> with a yoke? I really would, yeah. <laughs> Someone has actually challenged me to do that, and I'm like, I would actually run a whole marathon with a yoke. I would, I would love to see mm -hmm. that. That would be <laughs> I would amazing. run it faster because everyone makes fun of me that I can run faster with <laughs> weight on my back than if you asked me to run 60 feet without weight. <laughs> it is pretty comical. I, I, bet, I bet you could get some... Uh, serious sponsorships for that i think I, you should look into I know, it we should yeah um, i remember um i think it was uh john uh, brookfield years ago did a uh a several mile uh truck pull see that would so, be fun yeah it, it wasn't a marathon but he, he yeah. went, they went at least it was at least a mile or more they pulled a truck see it cracks me yeah. up i shut down the main street going into downtown columbus 
and I do uh, truck pull, I'll do the prowler work, all my conditioning work, and I'm like, I just own the street. I see some construction uh, cones on the side of the street, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to borrow these for the day. And I'm just like, well, let's see how far I can pull a truck. Like, this is going to just make your training a lot easier mm -hmm. when you only have to go 50, 60 feet with, you know, 30,000 pounds. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it would have put it past me. Actually, that, that's a mentality I think a lot of people um, in strongman don't have anymore. Um, uh, like you said, that would make it easier. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like a lot of people want to do exactly what they're going to be doing. And, I, and I've always been a big proponent of make it, make it more difficult that way. When you get to the competition, it's like Christmas. You know? Jeez, John, you <laughs> nailed it right there because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today at the seminar. And it's... Uh, Everybody, the thing is the body wants to be lazy. It does not want to have muscle on it. So therefore, everybody wants to take the shortest cut to get to where they need to be. Instead of looking around, nobody, it's not even, I guess, the mentality as much as you don't want to be creative. You don't want to have to think about what can be possibly harder. No, everybody's like, oh my God, I got to have the exact Bartos dumbbell. And oh my God, I got to have it set up exactly like this. And oh, we're pulling from blocks or, you know, let's measure it to the T. And it's like, does it really matter? Like you guys are focused on the training the same thing over and over again. Well, let's say you get to the competition and oh, well, hey guys, Bartos stuff didn't get here on time. So mm -hmm. now we're going to be using a big dog. What are you going to do? Like... How do you think you're going to perform and how is that going to mess with you mentally at the day of competition? And that was the biggest thing they were talking about uh, when they interviewed me in Norway. They're like, man, we kept on changing things and you're like, you never were phased by any of it. I was like, well, why would I be? It's strong, man. There's too many variables. Like, who right. cares? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like someone saw me run with Yoke uh, Friday night and they're like, oh, you know, if it was on turf or something like it wouldn't slide that much. Dude, usually like I'm on rubber floor or yeah, you, uh, you want to change on rough floor. Because there's different events where, like, you know, Arnold ground, it's super slippery. Oh, yeah. But then I'm down competing on Beale Street next month, and it's going to be on Brick Road. So, <laughs> therefore, and the thing is, like, I don't even care what color T-shirt we're wearing. I want to know, like, okay, um, okay, what? how can I make my training hard so I'm ready for anything? Like, nobody cares about matching, you know. It can't be about the matching shorts and T-shirts. Like, it's strong, man, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think people... People just over, uh, they want everybody wants to overthink or overcomplicate those things. And you're stressing and, uh, your body out. And the thing is, training is already stressful. So you worrying about like exact the loading height or, um, like I said, the color shirt or the environment and stuff like that. Like, those are all things that you're now putting stressors on top of your body, on top of your training. And it's just wasted energy. Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly it's, how I feel sorry, about Sorry to interrupt, but like going off of that, like that's how I look at my personal life. It's like, okay, does it really matter? And that's like when I told them in Norway, like, okay, they were changing these things. It's like, doesn't matter. Well, same thing in your personal life. All right, you have a flat tire today. All right, great. Does it really matter? No, you change it and you just pick up and you keep on moving. Yeah. And that's where like my training has really transferred into my personal life. And that's what I try showing through my clients. It's like the things that happen in the gym, you realize how to um, take that and make yourself grow. And yeah. you know that you can push yourself harder outside of the gym. <clears throat> yeah. Again, I, I agree, agree completely there. And uh, people, <laughs> people just, well, you know, that's why there's only so many pros, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, everybody else falls to the wayside. Um, one of my biggest, uh, pet, I guess a pet peeve there is, um, uh, well with the exact equipment, everybody's got to have, you know, like you said, the exact Bartos dumbbell and all that stuff. But 
a thing that really, I think, gets to me is, <clears throat> and I've heard this several times at many competitions, they'll change the weight of, a, let's say it's a log, and mm -hmm. they'll say, well, we're not going to do 170 today, we're going to do 180. And oh my gosh, freak out. And it's and, like, you <laughs> yeah. either are going to lift it, or you're, or you're not. not. Right. So, <laughs> great. If you And the thing is, like, if you train, I mean, on the biking press, I only did 180 in training for a single rep. Mm -hmm. And go out to Norway, and I did eight reps with 220. Right. Because it's not even the exact same. Exactly. Uh, so, like, yeah. every time I set up biking press, it was a different way. And I only trained <clears> it three times in training because, um, I mean, it's not going to help you by repeating the same exercise right. over and over again. You just get better at the movement. You're not mm -hmm. getting any stronger. Right. So it's like you're going to just spin your wheels and not get out of, you know, mm -hmm. to get any further ahead. And that's what uh, <clears throat> I've heard people say. They'll, they'll change the weight from like 170 to 180 and they'll say, well, I trained for 170. Oh, my God, I trained <laughs> for one. Well, how do you even just like, why would you even just train for 170? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you want to? You're capping yourself off already at a, uh, to just only peak there. And it's right. okay on yoke carry. Yeah, I don't need to run with 750 pounds when the yoke's 500. Right. But there's a time and a place in my training where I put that in there because right. then it just makes your 500 easier. Right. And I, th I think uh, well, the carrying events are so heavy, you, you can get really hurt doing those. So, so there can be a, a, a little bit of a difference there. You might need to back it down and just train with the submaximal weight. And that's the same. I mean, there's a time and a place where you go for speed and there's mm -hmm. a time that you go for max. Right. There's a time you go for shorter distance. There's a time that you go for longer distance when it comes to the carries. Yeah. So it's all, I mean, there, each, you know, event has its own way that you can make it conjugate and make it harder on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I do not believe in the work harder than your competitors or beast mode crap because right. all that is, it doesn't even make sense. You have to push yourself to your 100% for that day. Right. You cannot force your body to do any more than what it's able to do. There's so many variables in your own personal life. Okay, well, how are the kids or how was work and who stressed you out today? And uh, did you eat enough, drink enough, right. sleep enough? And that plays a part into your daily training. So therefore, it's like you can't be like, okay, well, today I'm supposed to pull 500 pounds for five reps. Well, maybe today's not that day. Maybe right. if you work up to just a five rep max, you end up pulling maybe 525 mm -hmm. based on how you feel. Maybe that day it only ends up being 425. But at the same time, it's like you're doing then for your body for that day and not overtraining. So it's about making things harder without injuring yourself right. or being stupid about <clears throat> it. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a big um, key too is uh, with injuries and training and stuff. I think if you make it more difficult – and there's different ways to make things difficult. Correct. Some ways could be dangerous. Right. But if you're intelligently making things more difficult, then typically you'll be able to use less weight. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself is safer. Yep. If, if I'm lifting, you know, 200 pounds versus 300 pounds, that's typically going to be safer, yep. depending on what you're doing, of course. Um, and I think that's, that's very smart to do, uh, you know, depending on how many shows you're doing and things like that. But that's, that's a smart way to train the majority of your year yeah. is, is just more difficult and um, a little bit lighter. And I think that's what leads to uh, longevity in the sport um, versus the people that are, you know, 
putting on six pair of knee wraps and loading up the yoke and doing their two-step stumble for, right you know and thinking they did something that day when and really it's just not going to get you any further yeah you're not going to you're not going to get stronger when you have the yoke on your back for like 3.2 seconds uh, and you anyway. barely could walk with it yeah <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean i have a rule when it comes to moving events um and this is just for me because i know what i can do and what i've done in the past and it's like um, I used to be really good at farmer's carry when I first got into the sport, but you're looking at, it was 115 pounds a hand on farmer's carry. <laughs> now I'm getting ready for 250 yeah. pounds a hand and seeing the guys yesterday, uh, you know, America's Strongest Viking, it was like, all right, there is what, 265 a hand? Uh, 262 and then 313. And I'm just kind of like, yeah. yeah, cause on the way back, you guys got more <laughs> yeah, weight. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, wow, like that's the weight we're doing, you yeah. know? And I was just like taken back, like how far our weights have come in the oh, sport. Yeah. But, um, with moving events, I feel like, okay, you keep on going up and weight like on my max days, as long as I'm under 10 seconds for mm -hmm. 60 feet on anything. Mm -hmm. And then I save for that, uh, record time mm -hmm. under 10 seconds to be on the competition field. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, um, a lot of the new people, uh, Martin's license, I, I believe he trains similar to that. He, he times his runs, and if he doesn't beat a certain time, then you don't go up in weight. And he's yeah. he's very fast. I mean, he's one of the fastest guys uh, in any of the moving events. Um, him and uh, maybe like Mateus are probably the fastest guys, I think. And um, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's how they train it. So they're not they're not doing this grinding shaking yeah. stuttering let me drop it 10 and, times and <laughs> right. the compression on your back between and that's the same with farmer's care you drop it and it's like guys that's like another deadlift your body has to you right. know perform yeah that's a lot of back and it's like and so i've just never trained where i've out, ever allowed myself to have a drop and mm -hmm. to know i could reset and go again it's like no like right you're done yeah yeah that's my max and time to walk away that day well, and that's a way to make it more difficult, right? If you don't have any drops, yeah. it's obviously harder that way. And you also um, think like, okay, the faster you go, the faster you can get it off your hands or, but, you know, set it down. I see. And on, in the amateur side of things, I see uh, a lot of people um, training their farmers with uh, straps. And, and, <laughs> and I, I could, you know, I, I could see maybe here and there, maybe a time and a place for that. If you really wanted to just pick up something and, and overload it like for one time, you know. But these people, I see people doing it like every other week. They're mm -hmm. doing straps on farmers. And it's like, well, now you're going to be able to use more weight and you're increasing the chance of injury and you're slowing yourself down. I mean, you're really working backwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, coming from one that was told to use straps from the very beginning of my training to what I experienced last year with tearing my hand to what I've experienced recently of my off season and seeing where my grip is now, I would never train anyone with straps. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> for um, any event or? For any event um, until it was like maybe your last like deadlift, if you, you know, obviously because it's strong man can use straps mm -hmm. and deadlift, but I don't even use straps until my like last set or two of mm -hmm. a max day. Okay. So, and <clears throat> now seeing how that has paid off for me this past Friday, in my training, I know exactly how that all came about. And as much as people are telling me like, oh, this is what you have to do to fix your hand from tearing and you're not taking care of your calluses and do this and blah, blah, blah. I realized my hands were weak. Mm. Weak hands mean you have a weak mind. 
And so it tells the true strength of right. how you are mentally. And being around powerlifters who don't use straps, it w- it forced me to be like, one, I got made fun of, which is great to be <laughs> in an environment like that. Because I told you, I'm really raw with my clients. Yeah. I'm like, dude, if you're being a pussy, then that's you know time to own it up and yeah. <laughs> you'll get better, right? And so it was like, that's how I was treated in the gym. And I was just like, oh man, well, I'm not going to put these things on. I'm like, I'm getting the look <laughs> from you know all the guys. And I'm just like, and they're pulling like 405, you know, without straps. I'm like, uh, and for a lightweight guy, and mm-hmm. I was just like, well, I should be able to do that because they're kind of yeah. like the same weights of what us heavyweight women pick up. And so now it's just so great to be able to pick up five plates without straps. And yeah. so I think it just comes down to this, it really uh, sets you back with training with straps. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think um, it's a tool and, and it's useful, you know, uh, Time for, for certain th- mm-hmm. things and if it's allowed in the competition um i personally if <clears throat> well we were allowed to use straps uh as strong as viking this weekend with the deadlift um, with the deadlift, which is how yeah. it typically is yeah but like you said like why would you even use straps on a frame carry or a right. farmer's carry when that's never allowed right and, unless and, you're a pro strong man but I, even then i didn't <clears throat> i think i only use straps um to to the, my last two deadlift sessions yeah and see so you did it so, right yeah that's, um, just just to get because it has a little bit of different feel and yeah. is like okay i'm going to try these things out it sets I, and you I up like right before you go for that new pr like you're kind of yeah. like all right I, can, I know i can do this without straps mm-hmm. all right then you go to flip on like before you know at a weight that may be a little bit heavier and then you're still using them as you're setting up pr yeah yeah right. and, and I, that's how i use most um most of the equipment and tools like i, I don't even wear um elbow sleeves every workout uh-huh. I don't wear um <clears throat> I don't wear a belt hardly ever yep. and then I'll throw it on <clears throat> at a competition or two weeks out and kind of play around with it and then put it on and um and, and you get a bump you out should. Of it. yeah because yeah. It, the body gets used to relying on all that stuff and, mm-hmm. and for a lot of people it's just a band-aid it's like a, or a security blanket right, right. <laughs> and so you've got a new novice coming in like oh well you got to go buy a 300 dollar belt go buy these you know 200 yeah. wrist wraps and knee sleeves <laughs> and stuff like that and it's like wait a minute can we just build the foundation first right, right. and then you bring those pieces in when you're going for a new record on you know, your deadlift or on your overhead press. Okay, now the elbow sleeves come on right. and the body is like, oh, wow, that's helpful. But if you use it all the time, yeah. it's not going to be used the same way that you need it to uh, be used for. Yeah. Same with like recovery tools. If you're always doing an ice bath all year round right. and then you need it to happen, the, <laughs> yeah. you need it to help recover you right before a show, it won't work the same way. Same with like massages. Like, um, so all those things, all those tools and uh, come in they have a place and time in your training yeah i think people are just um <clears throat> they want that edge so much they overthink everything mm-hmm. and it's really simple and, and that stuff again <laughs> uh, even even wearing a belt a belt is typically by a lot of people looked at as a uh like a safety mechanism mm-hmm. like hey this is gonna help <clears throat> prevent back injury or whatever but when you're wearing it all the time and and it does it does allow you to lift more weight mm-hmm well, if you can lift more weight, then it's it's already more dangerous. And if you were lifting the same amount of weight and put the belt on, it would be safer. Mm-hmm. But nobody does that. Right. <laughs> Nobody's going to put the belt on and go, well, that was crazy easy. I'm not going to add 45s. Right. <laughs> you're right. going to throw it on, and then now you've negated the safety effect of it. And, and, and you, they do that year-round. Right. <clears throat> and, 
And that's why you see a lot of, uh, I mean, you see injuries all the time from it. Yep. I don't think I've ever, I've never really seen injuries from uh, people that, that aren't wearing it. You and know. the thing is, you're not, you know, like I said, building your foundation. So are you using any of those core muscles in any of your lifts? Or are you just like slapping it on right in the very mm-hmm. beginning of your warm up? And it's like, guys, like, come on. You can <laughs> see like how Hercules hold is such, I mean, it's a big core, you know, movement mm-hmm. uh, or event and it's like okay well if you can't stabilize yourself because you're relying on that belt and it's like all right but if you maybe went beltless on your squats like up to like okay if you're a 500 pound squatter like okay well i don't throw a belt on at 300 pounds right until like i get over that and then all right well maybe if i started lifting in the 500s i won't throw a belt on until like 350 400 right and so you just keep on backing off of when that time is needed yeah. to throw a belt on someone who's lighter like, okay if you're going for a 225 deadlift all right that's a big number maybe for someone who's little right. uh <laughs> lightweight i guess i should say but uh <laughs> little people <laughs> i'm scared of them so i want to make sure i use the right <laughs> phrase there i am very scared of lightweight girls and uh they're just so, so feisty and strong and uh so but it's like if they're going for like you know 135 they may not put a belt on right but as they get to 225 275 yeah, then yeah. i can see where that you know is good you know way to work up to yeah, yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> yeah, I see people put them on. Literally, we'll put them on and warm up. Yeah. <laughs> like they'll have their belt on foam rolling. You know? <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, it's like, hey, wait a oh, minute. Oh, wait, and the Bengay's already on too, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> whatever they use. It's like, what are you, you doing? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that's you just kind of see it all, huh? <laughs> and I think it's just gotten way out of hand because if, even if you look back um, <clears throat> to, uh, like the Ed Cohen era, right? Yeah. And and Ed Cohen, you, he has um, he has a book. Uh, I think it's called The Man, the Myth, the Legend, or something. And it has um, his like sixteen, twelve or sixteen week thing laid out in the book for how he uh, when he went for his uh, biggest total. And it's like the first few weeks, it specifically says like no belt, no suit, no wraps. Mm-hmm. And then as it goes, like he'll add something in it's like oh here's a rat, uh, knee wrap day no belt no suit just knee wraps and you know and, and you can see how he really used <clears throat> those tools throughout the training cycle but at least half the cycle was done with nothing right and then there will be like suit with straps down and this sort of thing and, and and then leading up you know a couple weeks out he's he's fully it's just amazing you, know. you strip somebody down from their equipment and to see what they could really do wrong mm-hmm. And that's really as strong as you really are. Right. Um, for example, I'll just use myself because, I mean, I'm fine to admit it, is that, all right, so cool. I could pull a um, 500-pound deadlift for, I think it was four reps at Arnold 2017. Mm-hmm. But going into my off-season this year, January, I could only deadlift 275 with no straps. That's how bad my grip was. Wow. All right, so then from the floor, I pulled last summer, I pulled like 535. But you see that there is that big of a difference by taking my straps away like what 250 pound like loss there yeah. same with farmers carry great that's cool that you can load it up that heavy i've been fighting for it too like okay well, let us women like carry a 700 pound frame if we get to use you know straps like the guys mm-hmm. at arnold do yeah, okay yeah. well it's great to see them <clears throat> carry 900 pounds like let us women like go heavier if we get to use straps yeah. because you take any equipment away and you see like wow 
that's all you are raw. So it, you know, with his theory, like there is a time and a place for that equipment to come in. Yeah, for sure. Um, so tell, tell me a little more about the um, calluses because I know that was uh, kind of plaguing you for a while. You tore your hand and then yeah, so I think like you did it again. And Canada last year, that show, the equipment was all specially made and had knurling all over the farmer's handles, the uh, wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. And so I just tore my hand there. And with my skin, it's very unforgiving. Um, has been my whole life like if I ever like fell down it would just tear and just constantly tear in that area well you know how the season is once you have one show you either have Mm -hmm. to go and qualify for that one or you have another one lined up to go to worlds and so there was just back-to-back shows I had so that happened in May came down here in July did the America's Strongest Viking September was Strongest Woman in the World Mm -hmm. and America's Strongest Woman last year those were together in September and then December we had worlds so I had kind of like a full mm-hmm. show there and I couldn't take an off season I mean I have not I did not have an off season my first three and a half years of competing uh, this year was my very first time because I had to do certain shows mm-hmm. in order to get to where I wanted to be and I had a timeline of when I wanted to go to Arnold for my first year I wanted to get my pro card before I even knew that there was a pro card division I mean it hadn't even come out yet and I was yeah. like no I want to be a pro at two-year mark and that happened and I knew I wanted to like go compete. So you have these personal goals, but you also have like where I had to compete all the time. And so everyone's like, well, you don't ever take care of them. Well, then try this oil, try that cream, try shaving them, take a knife to them, take a pumice stone. I mean, I was told everything under the moon. And as frustrating as what was for me, I'm like, I did everything. Cause I'm like, I will try anything. They like get my hand to heal. Well, I tore it again then last, uh, both of the shows, every show last year. And I mentally prepared for that to happen um, after it happened the first time. Yeah. I went in so much shock that show that I don't remember anything. I basically pulled 616 deadlift with the weight just being on my wrist for my straps. Thank God I had figure eights because there would be no way I could even deadlift with how bad my hand was. And so just like I prepared mentally to tear my hand at all the following shows. And what I realized after Friday night's training is that, like, um, I went to do farmer's carry. And last year, um, I could only do 115 pounds a hand before making my hand angry and uh, like a blood blister, which I knew Mm -hmm. would be time to go through the whole healing process all over again because I knew it'd peel off and whatnot. It's all disgusting, but this stuff happens. (laughs) And so this year, or this Friday, I ended up doing... 220 a hand no problem so that's a 105 pound like pr of grip strength for me you know and i was just like i was so excited and what i realized was back to talking about the straps the straps had made my hands so weak that i couldn't grip anything it had nothing to do with like the way my calluses are or my skin because i mean you could tell right now that they're not cleaned up by any means but (laughs) here i had no problem in the weight. I mean, I didn't train the Hercules hold for strongest woman in the world and came in second place on that one. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Uh, so, it, and then farmer's carry, that was the first time I did a farmer's carry in a year. Okay. And so it just shows how strong my hands got without even training the events and with getting rid of straps. Cool. So what did you... Um what did you do for your hand strength then? I mean, you don't have to so give away hand, all your secrets. No, but, <laughs> but hand strength comes from getting rid of your straps on your deadlift. Mm-hmm. Uh, pull downs, you know, a lot of pull downs and uh, 
deadlift, deadlifting without straps. Cool. So you kind of um, uh, take the um, get your grip strength in while you're doing other stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. There's always ways of like training your weaknesses and like between your warm up and your accessory work. It never and like same with training events. Sometimes I make my events be my conditioning days. Yeah. And great. Now I just killed three birds with one stone. Right, right, right. You know. And but the thing is, like I said, if all I can do that day with no straps, I remember the days of like 275. I was like, wow, this just like really sucks. Then like 315 and I got it up and I was just like, oh my gosh, I just pulled three plates, you know? And then uh, it just, it's so emotional for me through the process of like seeing this mm -hmm. for me because yeah, everyone like, oh, that's disgusting that that happens to you or that. I mean, the guys at the end of the day, it's just skin. Like right. who really cares? Yeah. And I could have like, I mean, it's not like I have a broken hand or a broken foot. So right. at the end of the day, guys, it's just skin. And that's yeah. how I prepared myself mentally for that yeah. pain and like knowing what that was going to feel like when it would happen. And just to like, you know, get one more deadlift on the farm, uh, frame carry, like, you know, farmer's carry last year in uh, Vegas. Let Jerry what it was there for. And I was just like, okay, just get one more, you know? <laughs> and, but it comes down to, um, I don't know. I just really enjoy the process of like seeing like, okay, wow, I did like four or five or three yeah. reps with no straps. Okay. Well now I did this and it's like, all right, you can see that, uh, true strength come out and <clears throat> I'm not about the whole like, okay, well here's a PR for grip strength. Here's a PR being beltless. Here's a PR <laughs> for this and that. And so I think recently I made fun of it cause so many people yeah. are all over that. Yeah. They do like, it all the time. Look, that's a PR with no wrist straps, no Elbow sleeves. I mean, I'm just cracking myself up because I mean, it gets so carried away. My my favorite is the I weighed three hundred and three point four today. Or, yeah. you know, like who cares? That's a big. Uh, I realize like how much that is in powerlifting. I'm like, all right, guys. Like this is a PR. Literally, this whole year has been a PR for body weight for me. Right. Uh, being this light and training, uh, this or getting these kind of lifts. So, you know, like. To make us all feel better, we can talk about PRs every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you don't, you'd have, you didn't really do any um, like uh, direct grip work at all. No, like, like and no... that's like you always think that you need to do like the yeah these grippers or uh, what's the other? There we we do have another gripper machine at the gym. The two-handed one. Yeah. Yeah. The um, what is that thing called? I don't even know what uh, it's called. Yeah, I think um, Elite FTS and Iron Mind sells it. It's the, okay. Go, go ready gripper or something i think <laughs> and then i um, i even got suckered into buying a lot of these like little toys of uh, where you could grip and hold weight you know from it oh like hubs and stuff yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and just like i never actually used any of that <laughs> but i own it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's kind of like the as seen on tv you know where you're falling for every little like you said you yeah. fall for all the little things that are going to give you the edge and it's like the thing is nothing is going to outbeat hard work right and the raw true strength there behind it so so it just took you about um a year you said to go from uh uh 275 with no straps to 500 with no straps yeah so that was january and then when i got back from strongest woman in the world i pulled that uh 495 with no straps so really, oh, I mean, that 220, 225 pound strapless, um, in what, eight months? Yeah. So, so really, it, I mean, it, it probably felt forever, but it didn't take that long. It didn't take long at all. And that's where, um, the thing is like with building muscle, I mean, you're looking at like invest three years to build a hamstring and sometimes <laughs> right. like, 
people are going to be like, well, I can't get my hips to work. You know, well, when I went into my new coach, like my hips and glutes and nothing worked. I mean, there was, <laughs> it was all turned off and it was just because of the coaching I had prior. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would be like, well, you know, you, they're not patient for things to work or they don't want to put in that kind of, again, back to talking about the work and the volume that goes into making yourself better. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, Brooke, like you're using your hips so much better now. And, um, compared to what I was eight months ago. So if people want to shit on like my squats and stuff like that, all right, go for it. But you have no idea. Like you want me to share you some videos of like me squatting a year ago. Like, I don't even want to look at them because it's that bad. (laughs) And it took me just, you know, a good eight months, I think is when I, I think really realized how it clicked. And I actually started using my hips and glutes more. Cool. Which is like, how in the world do you not use those muscles when they're so big they're big muscle groups and they're used in every event. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, your positioning more, yeah. s- more so than the, the glute isn't working. Yeah. Um, it, it's getting it into a position to where it works optimally, which is where um, like the belt squat really helped me yeah. like, uh, be able to put it in my hips and glutes and to fire them. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I've seen you putting in a, a lot of, uh, work on the the squats and stuff i mean you you're and you're doing a million different variations mm-hmm. i've seen hatfields and uh oh, those are kind of my favorites <laughs> but see it's like you don't get to train your favorites so i really don't like to think about what is my favorite and what i hate i know i am absolutely horrible on a straight bar because my body just i am so much better under the weirdest uh positions than yeah give me a straight bar even on bench i am i can bench press more on a cambered bar than Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) So it's like, it's always the running joke and it's always like my goal. Like, okay, that bamboo bar, I'm totally going to bench like 315. (laughs) I had a dream one night that I benched 315 with a bamboo bar. And the next day, no, I only got 260 or something like that. Only, (laughs) only 260. Oh, I love that kind of feeling, you know, the crazier environment, the better. Yeah. Well, I think that's good because that's what, uh, what strongman is it's right. a crazy environment and uh which is nice because the thing yeah. is like we don't have that like platform where we have one platform everything's perfect and mm-hmm. even and smooth yeah, and you all. know 10 spotters around us no you could just move one tweak to the right right one inch or something be off and okay what if that go there went you you blow your back out mm-hmm. so if you train in like those uh i don't know how want to even call them crazy environments but yeah the making the weight um, unstable or whatever just kind of helps you focus on what muscles you have to engage to stabilize yourself. Yeah. I think, um, online, um, there's a few, a few guys, uh, <clears throat> Tim Sowards and, uh, <laughs> J- Jason Sowards. Those poor guys. And, uh, <laughs> I love them to death, but and they, they scare uh, me. They do, uh, <laughs> they do a lot of, a lot of crazy lifts, but, um, recently they started doing some offset, uh, weight lifts and they get a lot of heat for that. Um, people online, Oh, you're gonna hurt yourself or whatever. But, um, and I don't think you should max out on those things, but I think it is a good well, it's way. It's kind of like what you do too. It's not like mm-hmm. you're maxing out on, I don't even know what they're called that you're doing with the Hummer tires on your feet. I mean, I would say it's a leg press, but yeah, it's a I self-loaded mean, <laughs> leg press. Yeah. yeah. Self-loaded leg press. But you know, those are things that you're still making your body like have to figure out how to work under those. Right. But I would never max like no, that. No, no, I'm not going to max it's, out. On it's really anything. cool that you're still putting yourself in those kind of different positions. Yeah. 
and I th- but I think the the offset weight, you know, if you put, you know, ten or fifteen pounds more on one side, or maybe more, grab the bar off center. Um, <clears throat> it might seem crazy, but a lot of time when you're lifting stuff, um, you know, you you guys were out in uh, Norway and that stuff was made out of wood. <clears throat> it's not evenly weighted, mm-hmm. you know, and there's only one way to train for unevenly weighted stuff is to lift unevenly weighted stuff yeah the <laughs> and, firefighters are really good at doing that with loading my weights at the gym <laughs> <laughs> so i think you know people are like oh you're going to get hurt or whatever and I, I i think it's the opposite i think well yeah as long as you do it submaximally <clears throat> in the gym i think it's going to keep you from getting hurt you know out in the field when you're doing the actual event because if something's uneven, mm-hmm. you know, or, uh, you know, it's the way some people clean an axle. I see people pop it up there because you go from mixed to over and up. Mm-hmm. And, and you can look and be like, well, that person's hands are uneven. Yep. It happens all the time. I don't yeah. care how good you are at it. Like yeah. your hands, well, if you pressed uneven in the gym, when that happens, it's not going to be a big deal. Right. And, and people will come into the gym and they'll mark their axles or they'll get axles and they'll know exactly mm-hmm. where and they'll clean it up and they'll see where they're at on the bar and they'll say, well, I'm even. But when you get to the competition, that axle may not have a mark on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, how do you know if But then just think, like, if you have the, like, I should not name names. All right, let's just say you have, like, the worst squat bar ever. I mean, there's no knurling in the middle. There is it's uh wimpy or you know whatever but then let's say you go to a meet and it's like such a fresh knurling mm-hmm. and clean and i mean just think of like how good that's going to feel yeah, and yeah. how easy it's going to be oh, because yeah. you have trained on the shittiest yep. equipment ever and that's the same with like how most of my strongman training had to be in the early days like yeah. i didn't know how much weight was in my kegs because we didn't have a scale um <laughs> which that really did make me mad because i thought like my trainer was like, oh, it's 200 pounds, and that's what we needed for Arnold that year. Finally bought a pallet scale when I got back from Arnold because I failed every event, and uh, the keg was only 79 pounds. And oh, I'm wow. like, all right, well, I was way under-trained, but eventually <laughs> I was told this is 200 pounds, so I'm, I'm walking and I'm acting like it's uh, 200 pounds. And I had to train like on uh, just regular dumbbells for Monster Bell because mm-hmm. I didn't have access to that stuff. So, I mean, the thing is, like, you don't always have what you need in a gym, but if you look around, there's always something that you can use. Because yeah. um, you know, it may not be as lucky to have all these toys that's here at Viking Performance or what I have at in Lutus. So, yeah. Um, but you can be creative with what's around you and make your training different. Yeah, I think a lot of people lose the. Uh it's called uh, strong man or strong woman. Like the strongest person's probably going to win in most cases. Um, you know, just because you have the, it's not a, a case of, well, they have the dumbbell, so they're going to win. And people want to always <clears throat> excuse that. Right. The thing is, if you're overall strong, it doesn't even matter what events you have. Like right. last year, you and I talked before that we started where if you have multiple shows at one time, like John, there's no way you are training 35 events right now. If you have like seven more, or I guess five more shows at five events each show, there's no way you are incorporating 25 events in your training every single week. Right. So if you are overall strong, it doesn't even matter. You can just show up, like yeah. you said, at any show <clears throat> because for you personally, you just want to go and compete and have fun. Yeah. You're not trying to make it pro. You're not trying to uh, have a new world record at every show. So therefore, it's like, 
okay, you don't have to train everything that every event that's out there to be ready. A lot of people think like, well, it's, it's just, it's just another excuse, right? Right. If I don't have that equipment or if, well, I don't know that I can train those events. It's like, no, just get out there and do it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, the strongest person is going to, going to probably win. Mm -hmm. Um, there's probably a few exceptional, um, you know, a few exceptions to that rule, some events maybe, but I would say nine times out of 10, that's, that's, yeah, but when you're like, you're over analyzing, okay, well, the stones were made out of granite and not concrete. And (laughs) oh my gosh, the yoke was fat at the top and that's where the weight was versus at the bottom. And Oh my gosh, I think it's going to rain. And because um, <laughs> you kind of experienced that yesterday, right? But you can like overanalyze all that. And at, like you said, at the end of the day, the strong is what pulls through at the end. The my, strength. And- my, my personal favorite so far that I've seen was, uh, I believe this was uh, Nationals, I think, last year. Um, they said they were going to use the, uh, the Bartos equipment. And then that's when they released a Bartos log. So there, there wasn't a Bartos log, I don't think, up to that point. They, they, they were going to use it at Nationals. And yeah, apparently... It's kind of like uh, the first time it debuted was even at our uh, America's Strongest Woman slash Strongest yeah. Woman in the World. And uh, the handles on the, the... I don't know if it's the same for the women's, but the men's log was... Um, each handle was one inch wider than... <laughs> what most... Were, and this was a huge topic of debate Are online. Like uh, people were online like... Uh, throwing a fit one guy was like well if you don't have this log to train with you might as well not even show up and oh. like it's one in, but but what, what the the thing that really got me was um well first of all the diam the 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 width of the handles the, does not matter to me at all uh-huh. i mean they could be touching and i wouldn't care <laughs> and, and <laughs> I, I really wouldn't i mean i would just show up you know yeah and uh but so the pro men's logs, um, that's what the Bartos is modeled after. So the width is the same as like, oh, the, okay. and if you win nationals, you go pro. So you're going to be using yeah. that log. Like so get used to it. <laughs> yeah. So why would you complain? Like your goal should be, yeah. if you go to nationals, there is at least a little part of you that's saying, Hey, I want to go pro. Right. Like, well, you better start acting like a pro then and you better that, you know. okay so that's a very good topic like and that's what we we're talking about you know even before was like uh the local shows it's like okay if you want to go to nationals a lot of your behavior that you're doing at a local show is not mm-hmm. acceptable on that mm-hmm. next field and so you're you got to like plan ahead and like okay well not only treat the athletes that way but start performing like one because right. like, if that's your goal like know that you know that's not acceptable to be like in on the field when someone else is competing or uh you taking your time and you thinking you're gonna stop the whole entire show while someone's waiting on you to come up to deadlift you know right uh but it's funny because like that bartos log it, that was back to that it was probably one of my favorite logs because i loved how uh it was textured on the outside yeah so yeah it's grippy to me i'm like yeah i didn't get the train on that either but i was like like I said, I did two reps, and I was like, that was more than, I think that was the first time I did zero a log at a show, so I walked away. I'm like, yeah, I got 30 more seconds, but I'm happy with uh, <laughs> two reps. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, again, I try to pick the hardest stuff to train with, so um, and we have, uh, man, we have a bunch Seven of Seven logs over there. <laughs> and, but I, I tell you, I only use two. Um, nice. I, I train with the real um, wooden log, one of the real wooden logs, um, and, and I like it because it's a longer 
and it's uneven, so it's hard. Yes. And then I just I just switch sides every set because <laughs> it's, it's uneven. Yeah. You know, I don't know which side's heavier, so I just switch sides every set. Um, <clears throat> and then and the handles are uncomfortable. I mean, they're crazy uncomfortable. And then um, I use uh, the smooth. I don't know what you guys have rogue over there, don't you? It might be the rogue, and that's one, one of the worst logs yeah, I've ever been. The on. handles are big. It's smooth. <laughs> and and, yeah, it's yeah. Everything <clears throat> bad about that one. Um, and then, but, but I, I would love to run into a bar toast at a competition because of that. Cause it would just be, yeah. Be cake, it, that's all I had you know? was rogue the train on. Yeah. So all I remember is being on the worst, you know, piece yeah. of equipment in my training. So yeah. And then when you get the good log, you're and like, even like the regular, the old <laughs> kegs, I mean, those seem like so, so much harder to yeah. load than having <clears throat> a bar toast one. So yeah. Well, again, the bar toast one, the handles are nice. Yeah, so the, guys, it's okay. <clears throat> if you have yeah. like. The crappiest piece of equipment around to train on. Yeah, I mean, for a keg, you could, I mean, there are barrels that size you yeah. could go get, you know. You could do a keg. A keg is easy to train for if you if you uh, just can figure it out. Plus, they're pretty easy to get, too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just throw some part, strongman parties, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just call up our beer distributor and be like, I need kegs. Okay, here you go. We won't charge you either. We're scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Good stuff. Cool. Um, so you got a seminar today, right? That's right. We're cool. about to kick it off. All right. Um, is that something you do um, a lot of? Have you been doing? Is this uh... that was uh, the goal this year to get me to this point of doing seminars? I just cool. had to uh, work a lot on my own self to be able to be at this point, and now I'm really excited to see cool. another dream of mine come true. Cool. So if people want to um, have you in for a seminar, how do they, uh, how do we do that? Apparently direct message me on Instagram because I've got like three more gyms that have recently booked with me. Cool. And so, yeah, you can contact me on Instagram or uh, email me at brooksouza at yahoo.com. Cool. Um, So yeah, definitely um, get a hold of Brooke, uh, a wealth of knowledge here. Um, Yeah. If you want a seminar from her hit her up um <clears throat> super friendly she'll get back to you <laughs> uh what is what is your um what kind of seminars are you doing i know um you know some people have like a the one kind of seminar they do but uh like uh, i think martins has like a an overall seminar and then he's doing a squat seminar and a some other seminar over here. I think for starters, I'm just going to start out with the how I've conjugated strongman events. So, um, really teaching like how to get people to back off of this one rep max stuff that I'm seeing all the time. (laughs) And like I said about using the exact piece of equipment Mm -hmm. uh, will be a lot um, talked about in my seminar. And then um, how to structure their event training to do their own program. So, um, probably much going to just have to keep it at that to make sure people can soak up that information first. I think that's pretty important. Um, I've I've been to, man, a lot of strongman seminars and um, nobody ever uh, truly talks about um, programming. Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody talks about like, Hey, this is how you should go week by week. Usually it's a, Hey, this is how you lift a stone or this is how you do a wall. We have too many different biomechanics to be in leverages. So, it's like me telling you how to do log based on me is not right. going to help you. Right. So I'd rather show you how to go back to your gym, use the homework that yeah. you've learned today, and to get better. Well, I think you need the programming too. I mean, even if you had somebody that could show you exactly how to lift a log or whatever, 
just because you now know how to lift it. Does, I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't know how to program it. Yeah. Like how often you should train <laughs> it or do I do run rep like, max on log every single week? <laughs> you have great form with that hundred pound log. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations guys. <clears throat> All right. Well, we're out of time. Uh, again, if you want a seminar, um, get a hold of Brooke at uh, Instagram. Um, just direct message her and uh, get a seminar set up. Sounds great. It was, it was great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Uh, this has been Get Strong or Die.